Assalamu alaikum everyone. So this is such an exciting episode. Today I'm going to be talking about Ramadan, just upcoming goals, plans, talk, you know, just a little bit of a little tea time talk type of thing. You know what I'm saying? I feel like these episodes people actually enjoy a lot. I've had lots of girls tell me that it feels like me and her are like on FaceTime, which is so cute because I love that. I love podcasts like that where it just feels like we're talking on the phone, you know? So I definitely want to do more things like that for all the girls that are, you know, lonely me too don't worry so this is that type of thing so let's talk about ramadan the things that i'm about to say might be a little bit shocking to you because i do have some interesting takes on this and some things that you probably didn't hear about in mainstream social media and i'm gonna be talking about a really big topic that lots of people don't actually promote or talk about and i'm not promoting it either but i'm being brutally honest for the people that don't get to hear about this enough and this is about not being able to fast or having a difficulty fasting and things like that and just you know other goals as well honestly like from a young age i think ramadan has always been a thing for me like when i was young i just didn't i was like i was like okay so we fast and okay like that's it and i always used to see people saying like set goals do this it's the time where your heart changes and i was like ain't nothing happened to me like i was young though like i was quite young now that i'm older i think it is definitely a good time and honestly if any of the reason why i am who i am today a lot of the character changing that has happened to me actually has happened in ramadan where the guilt of committing certain sins or the guilt of just messing up and going wrong gets so much that you actually eliminate lots of different things from your life which is the best part of ramadan because it feels like you're actually thinking for yourself like, you know what I'm saying? The life and the dunya's impulses, like, they're not getting to you. They're not consuming as much as they did before. So it's definitely a win. So I think, like, a year or two ago, like, when I really got consumed with the deen and, you know, really got interested in it, um, last year, I went on a medication that was for six months long. And the side effects of that medicine was, like, everything in you, like, it dries up like it was for your skin and like it just it was really bad like the side effects i mean alhamdulillah it worked but like you know the side effects were really really rough my eyes used to get so dry i got conjunctivitis twice out of how dry my eyes got um my joints and my body and just my bones period like anytime i would lay down or get up like they would be like stuck and like it would just dry like even my bones were cracky so i had lots of side effects but it was a medicine i had to go on for six months and it was so hard to, I couldn't exercise. Like, I barely could have stretched. Walking for too long hurt. Laying down at night. Like, you know when you lay down flat on your back, bro? Like, my back used to arc in. I was, like, in so much pain. And, oh, my God, my skin used to get so dry. I used to get, like, rashes on my everywhere because of out of irritation because of how dry my skin got. TMI. I know. I'm just telling you how it is, okay? So, it was quite a rough medicine. And when I went on that medicine my doctor told me well it was it was around the time i started before ramadan and when i was on the medicine i was like in the middle of the medication like the time frame of it and so in the middle so it was getting really rough like my dosage was increasing and then ramadan was also in the middle so i was like i'm keeping all fasts this month like i made the intention like i was severe about it like i'm keeping all the fasts this month and you know now that i was closer to the dean like I, i was down like i was i told everyone i'm keeping all these fasts so I kept the first day. Um, sis was gone. I got conjunctivitis, I think, like a day, a half later. out of dryness in my eyes and, you know, not being hydrated enough. And it got, it was so hard. And then after that, when I was talking to my doctor about it, she goes, oh, I don't think that would necessarily be a good idea. I don't think it would be easy for you to fast like this. And I know that your religion, like, you know, they allow like you know if you have a health problem so i wouldn't recommend doing that because it could you know play a role on all of the months you ate earlier and it's just like it was it was really chaotic right so i was like okay okay cool like i got the consent that i probably shouldn't be doing it right now because of all the health things going on being on the medicine so i was like all right cool what i do like again i fasted (laughs) i fasted again um and it ruined me, and it was, it's not the fast, you know what I'm saying, like, it wasn't the fast, it was just the fact that I was so already, you know, low on everything, because I was on that medication, so then going on it, it was, it was really difficult for me, so fasted again, it was really difficult again, nausea, about to throw up, like, really hot, all of that, and 
I got conjunctivitis in my eye again, like a couple days later, weeks later, within that Ramadan month. And I was saying that the doctor, like my eyes swollen. I was like, mom, it hurts. And she was like, shut up. (laughs) I really like, I love my mom to death. My mom, she's so sweet. May Allah bless her. But like, literally, bro, like I am the medically expensive child. I am the burden. So, you know, I, she she used to have like a fast and she used to take me early in the morning for an emergency appointment for the doctor. And I used to be sitting there and the, the doctor, like the second time I came in, she was like, oh my God, a messed up eye again. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, me again. You know, I feel guilty. It's shameful. It is, but it is what it is. Okay. So at one point it became too hard because I like, I just couldn't handle it. Right. So I couldn't fast. And what happened was I felt really guilty. And I feel like that's a really big thing people don't talk about. There are certain people who actually have like medical problems where they can't fast no matter what. Like yearly, like it's not even a question. They can't do it. And so, of course, there's other ways to get rewards by, you know, doing good deeds, making food for the people that are fasting, making sure you're praying, making sure like, you know, you're trying to finish reading the Quran involving in tarawih things like that so there's definitely things you could do and so i started doing things like that where i was like okay let me at least make food so when everyone else eats it i get a reward and also giving sadaqa that's a big thing on fridays let me tell you something about giving donations and this and show this helps someone's perspective i am unemployed <laughs> why do i say it like that i say it like like it's like it's a bad thing i mean it just depends on how you view it, okay? Homegirl's unemployed. And whenever I get money, right? Growing up, I've always heard, like, if you don't have a job, like, you know, how are you supposed to give donations? Like, oh, I could barely, you know, have money for grocery. How can I ever give a donation? Let me tell you something that I really, really learned since I was young. Take, even if you take, bro, a dollar out on a Friday... Take that out for donation, bro. That's literally $3 a month. And I can promise you God will give you back tenfold more. Every time. Every single time. Every single time. I'm telling you, he will. Now, let's say you want to take out $100 every Friday. $20. $10. Like I said, $3. It doesn't matter how much you give. It's about giving. The thing about sadaqah that makes it so valuable and important is that while you know that this wealth oh it's mine i got it i worked hard for it you are taking in your heart that feeling of controllingness and the feeling of i want it all and letting go of something you love whether it's a big value or a small value and you're giving it to someone else now i want you to think what exactly where does your donation go now that's other discussion if you are interested in donating like to different causes i have like a thing on my instagram where you can do that if you don't know what to donate for but if you are donating already to some place or something think about it maybe you know you're donating a hundred dollars a month right let's just say and maybe you're donating to a place like syria palestine wherever in the world you're donating to places that need help and you're a hundred dollar either get someone like a jacket a few shirts to wear food to eat and every single time they wear that jacket they wear those clothes they eat that food they sleep with a full stomach you're gonna get rewarded and how much did you take out doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how much you take out it's about letting it go and knowing that this money that you probably would have spent on getting a snack going out with your friends getting you know something to drink getting something that you wanted to wear, whatever it is, what you wanted, whatever your desires were, pushing your desires aside, taking out the donation to give it and watch. That donation is going to live out. It's going to live out even when you die. It's going to live out when you die. Your soul is created for a greater purpose than just death, right? As Muslims, we know that there's so much more to life except this world. And when you give money, And even if it's a small amount, I know so many people that feel guilty. They're like, well, I can't really afford much. I don't have a job. I can only give like, you know, a few dollars a week. Okay, do it then. Just take out a couple dollars a week on Friday. It's even more reward on Friday since it's Juma. Just take it out. 
it doesn't matter how much you're giving. It doesn't matter. It's about giving. So many people make it seem like when you give sadaqah, you need to be giving a thousand dollars and you need to be doing all this and that. And no, take out whatever you can give. And if you feel like, oh, I can't give anything, I barely have money, take out a dollar. Just one dollar, bro. Take it out. Take out one dollar. On Fridays. You know how much that is in a whole month? Three dollars. You would spend three dollars on a bag of chips. Those three dollars that you're not even going to be thinking about in like two days are going to be the reason you could get to Jannah. Because those three dollars are going to extend and live out far longer than your life will. Because you Maybe accumulation, maybe your $3 was what helped like a big donation company reach their goal. And now like, you know, people are getting food, blankets, waters, whatever. Like you could be a cause for something really big. Don't judge by the quality. I'm sorry, by the quantity. Judge by the quality. How sincere was your intention? How many times do you see people giving billions and billions of dollars to donations, millions, thousands of dollars even to donations? And it's like they got their camera out, live broadcast streaming on youtube let's all watch me this is me giving donation this is me showing me you know helping someone who's poor and innocent and you know what knowledge like, this is me giving someone cold like broadcasting everything and they're like hey everyone look at me i'm donating and everyone in the comments is like oh my god you're amazing you're a legend and like intention intention and maybe their intention is sincere we don't know but what i'm saying is essentially it's about quality over quantity you can have only a dollar to give to donation but if your intention is that like, bro, may Allah expand this dollar, make it be like a thousand dollars and help the people that it needs to, may Allah bless those people, you know, may Allah accept this from like, you have all these intentions, God will let that dollar grow out in ways that you'd never imagined. But now you're sitting here giving, you know, a hundred thousand dollars for a donation and your, your intention is not even in it. What good does it do for you? Now, of course, it can still help people and inshallah, you know, intentions, renewing, whatnot, it plays a big role, but it's not about how much you give. It's about the quality that you give it in. So donate, always. How did this topic begin? <laughs> Wasn't was I talking about something else? Okay, anyway. So pause because sis, what was I talking about? This really do be feeling like a FaceTime call at this point. So anyway, do good things in Ramadan, right? And donation being one of them. So I started like cooking for people and whatnot because that always made me feel good. And inshallah, like guys, this is really random. But my dream, well, I got a few, okay? I want to open up a cafe. Like if we're talking like business-wise, I love to cook. I love to do like um mixed cuisine type cooking, like with a bunch of different places, a bunch of different like, you know, like ideas. I just, says I love cooking, okay? I love cooking. I'm not that great at baking. Baking is not my expertise, but cooking, like I love to cook, right? I want to put in a cafe one day, um, inshallah. So I always love to cook on a big scale. And inshallah, guys, like one day, like I can like cook for like, you know, donation. That'd be so cool. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, anyway, cooking. Very fun. Very cool. Love it. Stand it, right? So cook for people. If you don't know how to cook, buy the groceries that someone will use to cook. I know that sometimes people can't cook and they're like, well, I don't even know how to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich for myself. Okay. Be the person that goes to the store and gets the grocery. If you can't drive, you can't get the grocery, be the person that helps take the grocery out of the trunk. If you can't get it out of the trunk, be the person that helps set it up. And if you can't be the one that helps set it up, be the person that at least assists cooking. If you can't be the person that assists cooking, be the one that helps clean up. Can't be the one that helps clean up, be the one that... Hmm, okay, we reached a dead end. Be the one that helps other people even after they ate gets them water getting a cup of water for someone even that that could be considered a big deal so it's very very little things that accumulate and i started doing those things and last year i started reading more quran as well so you need to develop habits for yourself that you know that you'll be able to sustain and take out now the big thing that happens in ramadan is a lot of people they make goals for themselves and amazing they're doing great but then they don't ever take those goals out of ramadan one of my big goals last Ramadan was I wanted to like finish reading the Quran and I started reading like at least, at least, at least three pages of Quran every day. That is a habit that I took out. So I still do it. This Ramadan, I'm going to read some of my goals. I did 31 goals for 31 days of April, right? And a few of them was uh, read four pages of Quran now. 
I said that I want to start applying Allah's 99 names. I said I want to finish the, reading the Quran from beginning to end. I said I want to read more like English translation of the Quran. I want to expand my Arabic vocabulary. I wanted to listen to useful things. Listen to useful podcasts, useful information. I did I mention I want to apply Allah's 99 names? I want to learn more about them in general too. Like how do you, how do those names reflect what you're going through? Um, I said I wanted to try to fast all of them. Inshallah this month I can. Um, I said that I want to start praying the Hajjah twice a week. I try to pray the Hajjah once a week. So like on Friday nights or you know Saturday nights, I just try to pray it since I don't have school the next day. I'll try to do that twice a week and take the habit out. Here's one game thing that will completely change your life. Bro, start praying one rika of gratefulness with any prayer, any time of the day, just once a week, bro. It will change your life. Just like you play, pray a normal rika after any prayer, doesn't matter what time, doesn't matter what day, doesn't matter when, just once a week, bro. Pray one extra raka to say thank you to God. We are always complaining. I want this. I want that. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. Stop. Say thank you for what you have. And when I tell you this changed my life, bro, changes your life. Gratitude changes your life. And when you take time out to pray an extra raka just to say thank you to God for everything that he's given you thus far, why won't God give you more? God always tells us, you know, you're grateful. God will increase in you, inshallah. So I said I want to focus in my prayers. That's always a goal for, you know, year-round. Increasing my dick to stay consistent. Take time to relax also. Um, extra donations. Cook dinner for people. Post more on social media, especially on this time of the year. Uh, things like that, right? So that's some, a few of my goals. You need to start setting goals. I bet you guys have seen all over TikTok. People are setting different goals for Ramadan. Set the goals that you feel like will fit for you. I was once talking to one of my teachers about this. Um, and she was saying how her daughters and her, they do this really cute thing. And I did this last year. You print out like a calendar, like you draw a calendar thing. And you write down one thing that you want to do every day. Ramadan, people, it's a great month. It's a great month. And it's a month that you need to take advantage of. But sometimes people in Ramadan, they end up doing more than they can handle. That they actually forget the obligation. Like they actually forget to pray. Or they actually get forget to like wake up for Fajr. Because they were so busy doing more than they can handle. Because they were so tired. You know what I'm saying? You want to be able to balance it out. Everything that you do will be, of course, rewarded for. So do whatever you do with the quality intentional, with quality intentions. You know what I'm saying? Be qual be really, really good and strong in your qualities and what and why you're doing what you're doing. So don't feel like you need to take up a whole burden. Do small things that you know will be consistent, that'll make you feel happier, and that you will feel a lot more better about during this month. That's that. So the next topic that I want to talk about, and just in case you didn't, like, know by the title, this is called Ramadan Tea Talk because, yeah, I'm going to talk about Ramadan, like, things in that month, and also about, like, you know, just spiritual growth, but also some other random things that I feel like might be able to tie in and be useful. There's this one thing that I want to talk about in particular, and it is for my girls. I think men can say the same, but this is one thing that I really, really noticed recently, and I just kind of wanted to bring it up. And I want to start off by saying, you know, Allah... Allah's Allah, he's all knowing. I'm not in a position to ever like downgrade or talk bad or anything like that about anyone. And I'm not trying to do that, right? I'm not. God knows my intention. And I've tried to rephrase this segment so many times and I don't know what, like how to go about it. But I want to bring up something important in here. I'm a girl. So I'm going to speak from a girl's perspective. And I want to start off by saying I'm not attacking men. If you're a man, you're going to vice versa from a woman's perspective. I think the concept of posting thirst traps and posting, you know, Islamic content but then being in girls' comments, you know, drooling, leaving hard eyes, and or being in your own comments when girls are like, oh my god, I'm simping for you, you know, you're so worked out, you're so this, you're so that, you have such nice muscles, and like being in the comments like, oh my god, yeah, you're, you're even more beautiful, things like that, like, mm, let's talk about it. Because if you want TikTok, you want TikTok, and you know what I'm talking about. So I feel like this has become such a big problem, and let me tell you why. I feel like, well, okay, how do I talk about this without sounding rude and hypocritical? Mela, forgive me. And by hypocritical, I don't mean like in regards to this. I just mean like in general, I don't like to call out people's sins. And I don't like to just, I don't like to call it out because I just feel like it becomes very, very, I don't know. I just don't like to do it because I mess, I mess up too and I commit sins too. But I feel like this is a really big discussion and I feel like it might make sense to some people. It might not. I don't know. I hope it does. So one thing that I see lots and lots of, you know, things about on TikTok, just in general, is I'm on Muslim TikTok, okay? <laughs> Let's start off with that. I'm on Muslim TikTok and, um, and cooking TikTok too. But, you know, I see videos where people will share like a day in my life. This is what I'm doing today. 
and oh yeah did i mention more quran tiktok that's a good side get on my side anyway but like you know you'll see videos like okay this is what i'm doing today this is you know me as a whatever whatever education student this is what i'm doing today and it'll be okay cool whatever and majority of the time they're nice videos i enjoy watching them however you know it is very normal for sometimes you know videos where people will be doing day in my lives and like it won't even be a day in their life it'll just be them just showing their muscles and like showing their abs and showing this and showing that okay whatever all right you know we can't judge anyone's intention he maybe the guy posted that he was like okay i like my gains i want to post them or maybe his intention was sort of like hey i'm trying to get some growth in my comments okay we don't know we don't know maybe he just do it for pure content we don't know but here's where the problem comes in when i see my beautiful girls in the comments simping oh my god you're so hot like, you so like this, you know, I'm simping over you. Like, oh my god, you know, I'll give you my dad's number. Da, da, da. Like, you're openly simping for him. Really? Really? Girls, I don't like to see you down bad in a man's comments. I don't. And it's heartbreaking when I see things like this. Because the other part about it, which makes it even worse, is the fact that some men who, like, yeah, they'll be talking about the deen, and maybe, again, Allah's alam, we don't, I can't talk about anyone's intention, which is why I don't ever call out anyone in particular, right? I'm just talking about those niche of people that know exactly what they're doing, and they know exactly what they're doing for thirst traps as well. Those people, they will be sitting there, you know, maybe making a video with, like, some Islamic thing on the caption, and, you know, have a video of their muscles or abs, whatever, Girls will be in their comments simping down bad. That's problem number one. And then they'll be sitting there replying and be like, oh, yeah, you even more fine or you even more beautiful, even more pretty. Slide your dad's number my way. And he'll be saying it to like all 43 girls in the comments. What? Because what is really going on here? What are you doing? I feel like we've made it so normalized that I just want to bring it up. First of all, okay, look, lowering your gaze is a problem we all have. We all, at one point or another, you know, you see someone cute, you're like, ooh, who's that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, let's put that aside for a second. If you're having a hard time lowering your gaze, all right, respectable, understand, but you're working on it, right? But now when you and someone's comments down bad, it's public. We, we all see in it. You, we all see you down bad right now. And the problem that comes with this is that sometimes men, they see comments like this and they engage it back. And I have actually heard reasonings as to why things like this happen. The majority of the one being, well, I want to make social media my career. And if I want to make it my career, like, this is just part of, like, building a following. No. No. No and no. Like, bro, like, dude. Dude. No. You can't. How do I, how do I say this? So many people think that, especially men, they think that to build a social media following, they have to be very, very in line with the women. They have to constantly post, you know, shirtless videos and this and that and thirst traps. And then, you know, also talk about the dean now and then so he can look like a beautiful spiritual package. Oh, he's on his dean. He works out. He did that. Like, he's amazing to attract girls. And what happens when you have a girl following? Well, girls are always on their social media. Girls are just always there. Like they will stalk you down. They will watch your videos. They will rewatch your videos. They will comment. Comment, you know, like all of that. Like they'll do the nine yards. And the same goes for men. There's some women that sit here in social media acting like, you know, I'm all this, I'm that. And, you know, I'm such an amazing person and I'm so spiritually whatnot. Like I'm perfect, da da da. Men will be in their comments, bro, literally down bad. Yo, I want to get your dad's number. Yo, I'm simping for you. You know, she's so fine. I hope I have someone like you one day. Like, trying to make you my wife. Like, do you hear that silence? It's deafening. Don't do that. And let me tell you why. First of all, one, it's public. So, now we all know that you're struggling to lower your gaze. Two... This type of stuff is the type of stuff that Loki lives on. Like, you may die, you may forget about it. But if, like, you know, that comment, that still lives on. If you repent, that's different. Three, it can lead to very bad things. Especially if you do not have any open intentions. You know what I feel like? This is my brutally honest opinion. This is just my take as a girl. So, I don't post my face. I don't post nothing of me through my podcast, right? Alhamdulillah. And I like it that way. And let me tell you why. Genuinely speaking... This doesn't have anything to do with looks. People that show their face have a bigger following. 
Why? Whether it's men or women, race doesn't matter, regardless of anything. Human being. You're a human being. You're showing your face. You're recording your face. You're showing what's going on in your life. You have a bigger following. Why? Because people like to know that there's an actual person existing behind that account. Right? Because, like, it, it feels more homey. Like, you see that person. You're like, okay. You know, like, oh, look at what I'm wearing today. Okay, this person got, like, a new dress. Oh, this person's eyelashes are pretty. Or look at this person going to school. It's like, it just feels like, okay, like, I know someone's behind there. You know what I'm saying? But when there's someone that is has an account and they don't show their face, it's kind of just like, okay, like, okay, they're talking. Or maybe that's a good reminder. Okay, I like it. Whatever. But, like, when you show your face, it's different. If if you if you do TikTok, you do Instagram, like you're on that platform posting Islamic reminders, you can 100% attest. And I can tell you, some of my girls can attest that while you were sitting there posting Islamic reminders and they were great, and you didn't show your face, you got really little views. And the second you started showing your face, even if you were niqabi and you had your face covered, your views went up. I've seen it happen to one of my own friends. Okay, so people like to see your face. People like to know there's a human behind it, right? Now for my podcast, I don't show my face. I don't show my anything on no platform, not even my girl's discord. I don't show it. Now, the reason one of this being is because, well, first of all, I just don't think it leads to anything good. And this is my take on it. I just don't see a reason for girls to post pictures of themselves. Now, I know that there are certain girls that have private Instagrams where they have no one on there except their girlfriends. And I know that that is like up to a controversy. People have their own opinions on that. I'll have a private Instagram. I don't post my pictures on there either because I just don't see a reason why. Like, why? Like, if me and you are close, you're my best friend, like, you're going to get pictures of me regardless, bestie. Like, if my best friend, you know, my girl best friend, obviously, you should only have best friends of the same gender. She's a girl. She's seen me as it is. My best friend has been my best friend since 18 years. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, you know, continue the friendship. But, like, she's seen me in all forms. We've literally done everything together since we were babies. So, okay, I can send her a picture of me whenever, whenever. However, she she won't care. I don't need to post on Instagram for her to see. Now, if I'm posting pictures on Instagram for my friends from school to see, well, practically, there's no reason for it. They see me in school. Now, if I'm posting my pictures for a bunch of people across the oceans back at home to see, well, the discussion is why do they need to see? Because if you're my family, you know, my mom might send you pictures anyway. So, like, I just, you get what I'm saying? Like, these are, these are the questions that I work through in my brain. Now, if you're non-mahram, you do not need to be seeing my pictures, period. Because as much as this may seem like an extreme view, if it was in my 100% control, which whatever part of my life that I can control in regards to pictures, I try to. If, if it's not in my control, Allah knows best, you know, whatnot. But I don't post my pictures for that reason. Because now, look, even if it's just girls seeing, okay, cool, whatever, right? But now when a non-mahram sees... Regardless of whether you think I'm pretty or someone thinks I'm this, it's not about looks. This is not about how I perceive myself, insecurities, confidence, beautiful prettiness. This is not about any of that. This is just about the fact that majority of the time, when non-mahrams see pictures of girls, it always leads to a bad place. Am I wrong? No. Majority of the time when girls see pictures of men that are non-mahram or videos, and, you know, he out here thirst trapping doing whatever, 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 I was like, oh my god, he's so fine. Look at his jawline. Does it lead to anything good? No. Because now you can't lower your gaze. He can't lower her gaze. And maybe if things do happen and you do get into each other's DMs, it's kind of like, what's really going on here? Now, I do want to preface a few things before, you know, I get even more deeper in the discussion. Is it possible that you can see someone on TikTok who is, you know, spiritually great, you know, he's nice, he's whatever, like he says who he is? Yeah. And if you do see that person and you genuinely feel like, wow, like this person's like, just like me, like we correlate so much and you genuinely want to see like if this person's seeking marriage and you want to do something about it the halal way, like, you know, social media is not a bad place to meet people because if, you, if you're if you tactful about it and you are mindful of what's halal and haram, you have a distance between you and you get straight to the point because you're not going to beat around the bush. You're not going to say, you're not. You, well, you shouldn't be in someone's DMs flirting. You get straight to the point. Like, are you seeking marriage? Yes or no? Like you let people that need to know, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get to it, right? And there's a distance so there's nothing haram that could happen unless, you know, you choose for that to happen. But in regards to distance, you know, physical distance. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So is it possible you could meet someone great? Yeah. And then, you know, if you genuinely meet someone, you're like, wow, this person's like really, really good. Like they are who they say they are. And you're thinking like, well, I want to contact them. What do I do? Then, you know, having a peaceful, respectful, halal discussion and, you know, like a straight to the point discussion. Okay, that's a whole other topic. 
you know, whatnot. And have there been people that met their soulmates on social media, you know, through different things? Yes, one of my close friends literally met her husband through Discord. Okay, <laughs> me and her were in a Discord together. And she never once attracted him. She never once did anything wrong. She never once leached out or saw no, nothing. Nothing. She did nothing. He literally randomly DM'd her one day and was like, hey, you know, I see, like, the way that you're talking. I see your interest in Islam. Like, she's a revert. And so, you know, she was always asking questions. She was always so involved. He got attracted to her just because of that. Now they're married and, you know, raising kids, whatnot. Amazing, mashallah. May Allah bless them. But literally through a Discord, bro. So trust me, the right person will come to you when they need to. But, um, so yes, it's possible you could meet someone great. And I'm not discouraging you from that. What I am discouraging you from is this public simping. The public, I'm in the comments. The public, you know, oh my god, I'm so down bad for you. Give me your dad's number. Like, if you really wanted that bad, you you DM her privately. And be like, hey, can I get your dad's number? You DM it privately. You You wouldn't do that. And here's my take on the situation. If I was a female, that posted her face. If, if, if I was a female that posted pictures of myself, that posted videos of myself, regardless of whatever content I make, if I was a girl that did that, and a man came in my comments, and he's publicly saying, oh, you know, you're so nice, let me get your dad's number, you know, I like the content that you're posting, like, some, just, I had many in my comments, let me tell you something, 99.8% of them, I would not like it, you know why? Because, well, if they're in my comments, they'll definitely be in someone in the girl's comments, that is my tactic to that. And so for my girls that do post pictures of themselves, you have men infiltrating your comments saying, oh, you're so beautiful. Let me get your dad's number. How much is your mehr? Da, da, da. I've literally seen these comments. I see them almost every day. Different posts. Girls will literally be talking about the dean, a full-on full nikabi, and people will be in her comments saying things like that. So trust me, it's really not about looks. It's really not. It's really not. But it happens. And so... Then my discussion, in my opinion, it's like, okay, well, if you're in her comments, if you're in my comments, then you'll most likely be in her comments. If you're in her comments, then I won't be surprised if you're in another girl's comments. So I just don't deem you to be so, I don't know. I can't judge anyone's intention, but from what it seems, I'm just kind of like, if you were really interested in me, you would privately DM me. You know what I'm saying? You'd privately DM me to make it halal to talk about it, like straight to the point. You wouldn't be in my comments trying to flirt with me. You get my point? Y'all girls get my point? Y'all girls get me? No, 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 no. Maybe some men can relate. Men, if you have girls in your comments that are really like, oh, I'm so down bad for you. You know, I'd love to be your wife. Da, da, da. Okay. What you doing in the comments then? What are you doing in the comments then? DM the number. DM the parental number. Like, it's just the way, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you should be having a, a serious, a lot of conversation. Like, oh, hey, yeah, are you seeking marriage? Like, whatever. Like, being in the comments, flirting, it's not beneficial. It's just kind of like, okay, you're here, and I won't be surprised if I scroll down four TikToks and I see you in another person's comments. Are you getting my point? That's my point. So I hope that made sense. And so I do, I do want to say to avoid, you know, being so openly about that, because that could be something that catches up to you. The next thing that I feel like I really noticed, and sadly, this happens more often than not, but um, again, I want to preface by saying I can't judge anyone's intentions. But I have seen men, you know, on TikTok that are talking about the deen. They have very big followings, very big things, prey on younger girls. And also come out in younger girls' comments and just girls' comments, period, in their DMs and be someone completely different. Completely different. And this isn't a one, two, three, four, five, six case. No, I've seen it happen in millions. I may not know all of them, but I've always seen some video, oh, this happened, this happened. So many cases where men are not who they say that they are. Same for women. But when we're speaking, especially in the Islamic community, Muslim TikTok, we're talking about that niche of place, it has happened. And am I going to sit here and call out people and be like, oh, yeah, this is no. Because, again, I don't call out people personally for their sins. Now, if you're listening to this and you know that you're one of those people, I suggest that you listen to what I'm going to say. Because I'm not about to sit here and um judge you hate you you know tell you what to know i'm just gently telling you my two cents on the situation and what might be beneficial for all of us at the end of the day i'm no one that is sinless that can sit here and talk about all of this because again i mess up too but i'm just telling you the two cents so i had like i mentioned um this coaching call with this beautiful girl whatnot and one of the things that she talked about was related to this um it's so sad 
it's so sad but the amount of dms and the amount of girls that i've been like have told me like oh i met this guy on tiktok he had a large following he talked about this he talked about that talked about the deed got to know him and either he was a liar he's a manipulator everything they said was false or he was engaging with other girls in the comments and when i would like question him like why are you sitting here flirting with other girls when you're saying that not to do that or when you're like you know what i'm saying like when you're posting one thing but you're doing another why is that and he would always give the explanation of oh well i'm trying to build a following i'm trying to build like a you know following base i'm trying to build a community and you know like it's just part of like a social media marketing trick i'm not actually interested in those girls i'm not actually you know engaging with those girls it's just like bare comments bare mind things and it's just to constantly keep attraction and the problem with this is that if you feel like having to be in line with the opposite gender and constantly you know flirting with them in your comments makes your page grow successful you should ask yourself, why is that the tactic you're using? Is it true that there's a lot of Islamic pages out there that don't show their face, that don't flirt, and they don't have a lot of followers? Yeah, but is their work with lots of varaka? 100%. I don't have a big, big, big following, right? I don't. And there could be someone that probably only has 50 followers on Instagram, and the work that they're doing has such sincere intention in it that even though only two people see it, they're getting rewarded as if millions of people see it. So now, when men make the excuse that oh, I'm flirting with the girls in my comments because it helps me build a community, it's a social media marketing trick, trust me, like, I'm only sweet with you, I only really want you, I'm only trying to work towards you, stop. Stop. And women, if you're with a man who's giving you those excuses, leave him. You know why? Because when a man truly wants to be with you, he does not need to be sweet to other girls to build a social media fan base. He's going to be sitting there too devoted on the time to make sure that he obtains you. He's not going to sit here, be in other comments, DMs, whatever, whatever, trying to be like, oh yeah, I'm trying to get at you too, give me your dad's number. When he's initially already talking to your dad, he's initially already seeking to marry you, yet he's still doing that. I feel like there's a very big lack of sincerity in that situation and even if again Allah's all knowing maybe that's not his intention maybe his intention really isn't to get with them he's just trying to build a social media fan base why 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 are you doing it that way you know you know that okay there's gonna be girls in my comments and the people that are not gonna lower the gates like you know it's gonna come and you also know that you have a power to control whether you want to reply to them or not why and I get it. It's a social media marketing trick. I get it. If I wanted to start showing my face, I wanted followers, you know, we can all start doing different things. But that's what I'm saying. It's not about followers. It's not about that. When you start to talk about the Dean on social media or whatever you want to do, you have to be very, very careful. Because while likewise, I can't judge someone's intention, even I could be questioned on mine. I could be sitting here posting you know, Islamic quotes and not following it myself. So, of course, we're all going to be held accountable to our own degree. And may Allah forgive me for any sins I've committed. And all of us, really, I mean. But when a man constantly is sweet to other girls and sweet to you, and it's like he's trying to keep both sides even. So it's like, oh yeah, if things do fall out with you, he'll have more options. He'll have like 45 girls in his comments. No. What's the point? And let me tell you something that it's choice. It is a 1,000% choice. There is this dude on TikTok and he has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Ks of followers, right? I'm pretty sure he does. He has a big following. Um, and he specifically has been very blunt. He's like, I'm not going to get any DMs from girls. Do not DM me. I don't answer girls' DMs. He has lots of followers. Does he have lots of followers because maybe girls find him attractive? Probably. Probably. But he doesn't engage that. That's what I'm saying. Likewise, there's a bunch of girls out there that are probably influencers. They have lots of followers because maybe men find her attractive. And while I disagree with her posting her pictures and all of that, that's a whole other thing. I disagree with that because I don't see it leading to anything good. She has a choice whether she wants to answer their comments or not. If she decides that she wants to engage with them in the comments and she knows that I'll give her more of a boost, she feels like her confidence level is better, you know, when engaging and flirting back with men. What are you setting yourself up for? Now, I know what some people are going to say. It's not that deep. You know, we never thought about it deep. Yeah, I know it's not that deep. But then you have to start asking yourself, why am I doing it? And if you're doing it just for a couple followers, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Don't sacrifice your morals. Don't sacrifice, you know, your being for that. And another thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know how they say it is soon not to get married young, and it is. I feel like sometimes some men, sadly, sadly, you know, 
prey on younger girls or they go towards younger girls or they manipulate girls that even if they are the same age they see like oh yeah she, she gonna come in my control i'm a you know start talking to her get what i want and here's the thing that i have yes it's sooner to get married young yes you know age whatnot in islam doesn't we don't really have much of that and a lot of people like to bring up the fact that aisha may be pleased with her was maybe nine when she got married to the prophet with peace be upon him important factors remember is back then and now are very very different things people back then used to die off a lot quicker people back then their maturity level was a lot different a nine-year-old today and a nine-year-old back then very different nine-year-old back then was taking care of the house like you know you're entering adulthood at that point back in the day you may not want to hear that but that's practically how it was the lifespan the trajectory just the way that things were back then were different okay and while a lot of you men like to preach it's sunnah to, you know, get married young, da-da-da-da-da, it's also sunnah to marry divorcees. It's also sunnah to marry older women. I don't see you following those. They always say it's sunnah to marry four wives. Mm-hmm, it is. It is. But it's also sunnah to marry divorcees. It's also sunnah to marry women that are older than you. It's also sunnah to marry women like that. It's your job. If you want to get married, you know, you're doing it. First of all, there has to be reasons behind it, obviously, right? If you want to get more than one wife, right? But let me say one thing for a fact. Let me say, let me just, I don't even, where am I going off with this topic? Okay, look. One of the really, really important things that I feel like we don't talk about enough is when a man will purposely see like, okay, this divorced woman, she has kids. She needs help. Financially, she needs help. I could take her in as a wife. You know, I could be her aid, her support, whatnot. Not just for lustful reasons, like, oh, she's generally a good mo- woman. You know, I could help her or whatnot, right? But men will be like, oh, she's older than me. Oh, she's divorced. I'm not going to go towards her. So the purpose is to keep marrying younger girls, get with younger girls, because they want someone young. They want someone, you know, that doesn't have kids, doesn't have this, that, that. And then they'll be preaching, oh, sunnah, 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 four wives. But, you know, like, you rejected someone that needed some aid that could have used some help. That is one thing that kind of sits wrong with me. Now, of course, you have your own choice, you know, the restrictions, whatnot. Like, that's a whole other discussion. But I think it is important to mention that when men are sitting here DMing girls that are 12, saying, well, well I would marry you if I could, da-da-da-da. Why are you, I don't see you saying that to any women that are older than you. I don't see you saying that to any women that are divorced. I don't see you saying that to any women that are married. Why? Why? Why has your preference changed all of a sudden? What happened? I get shocked by that. And I think that alone is a red flag. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's my two cents on that. The next thing that I really wanted to talk about that I actually got lots of, you know, comments on was actually two things. I'm going to address these two things right now in this because it's like a little tea talk. We catching up, you know? One of them being I uploaded an episode a while ago called Getting Cheated on a Halal or Haram Relationship. And I posted the snippets of it on different social medias and one of them being TikTok. And on TikTok, I posted this clip where I mentioned in that episode that a man's not going to cheat with a lady down the street. As much as you guys want to argue that in Islam, men and women should, should be friends. You guys like to say that, oh, yeah, yeah, they should be friends. Practically, Islam is right when they say that they shouldn't be friends. Because if a man was to cheat, who would he cheat with? You would think of one of his friends. Like likewise for a girl, right? Like you would think of the person that gave that he gave emotional availability to, or that knows him well. He's not gonna do it with some random lady at Costco, right? And I'll mention that point. And while it went great, most of the feedback was good, Alhamdulillah. And I'm glad that a lot of you guys like what I put out. A lot of you were happy that I talked about this topic, which makes me happy because I want to make sure that I talk about things that you know you don't hear a lot about but there were a lot of girls that were not happy about what i said and they were going on a tangent and by tangent i mean they were leaving comments like oh yeah he gonna cheat with every single thing that breeds you know he he's gonna cheat regardless trust me he'll cheat with a lady down the street too like they were really mad you know and i mean i get it you know i get it but here's the thing that i want to tell you girls especially i feel like yeah there's a lot of bad perceptions out there and yeah there's a lot of men out there that do crappy things but i feel like it's important to remember that as much as you may not want to hear it it's not every man and i know that majority of them and the majority experience that you go through probably is bad i get it but i just feel like it's not fair for us to you know say every man is like that and i i bet you guys have heard this a bajillion times in your life and i bet you guys know this a bajillion times but i just feel like when you project and think that every single man that you know 
in your world in your life or the one that you're going to get married to is going to cheat like you're setting the situation up likewise yes of course you cannot determine anyone's actions yes of course people are responsible for their own doing and yes of course you know situations work out that way but you do not want to corrupt your intuition by already planning out things that probably were not going to happen and then reinforcing the belief and creating like a bias in your head that well i knew this was going to happen i knew this was going to happen like you already set up your mindset as such that he was going to be a cheater and is it possible that he probably does come out to be one yeah and i'm not saying that that doesn't happen that you know you have a doubt but do not corrupt your intuition by thinking negatively of people so soon before they showed you who they really are now is it possible that you could be with someone and you have a very very big feeling that yeah they're gonna cheat on me sometime soon it's very possible and again that's where that rule comes in of trust until you see a reason not to but of course trust with caution don't pour your whole self out there but i feel like it is important to be mindful don't dump you know the, your biggest fear is that he will cheat and then attract something like that yes of course you are not always what you attract majority of the time you are but at the same time you know some of the bad things that you probably never thought would happen to you yeah they came in your life it's part of Qadr but do not take it so deeply you know what I'm saying and that's one thing I always tell myself like don't think about those situations I know that this sounds like such an ignorance is bliss moment but it really is like I feel like in life I know this is gonna sound like really childish advice but like certain things like that I just I just avoid thinking about it just avoid thinking about it it's it's a lot less likely to happen most of the time i see so many people that get married and like they never once even have to think about cheating or anything like that because the situation just they never gave energy to it in the first place is it possible that's still gonna happen yes 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 on both ends of the spectrum there is a risk of you know what might happen what will happen whatnot but for you your job is to project that only good things will happen that you'll only attract good people if something bad does happen then it's the qadr you know allah puts situations Allah puts us in situations he gets us out of it that's a whole other discussion and I talked about you know how to overcome when you do get cheated on whatnot now the next point that I want to address in this and I got feedback off of this episode in particular I want to talk about it so I had an episode called atheism Christianity Islam and like the signs that led me to Islam and things like that right I'd like thing like two episodes like that where I talked about things like that and majority of the feedback alhamdulillah was great and made lots of people see things it helped lots of people with their faith and I'm honored for that however I knew when uploading the episode I would get some heat for it and I know that I would be able to attract some controversial opinions which I got a few a couple days ago I was received a dm and I want to talk about that opinion on here no nothing to the girl who dm me I don't even know her she's she must have a sweetheart but I'm just saying in general I know that there's some points that some people probably brought up to the points that I made and I want to address those points because I know that there's probably some people that are thinking about these things and maybe they didn't bring it up with me but maybe they consider my points to be weak because of those reasonings and I'm gonna talk about it right now so one of the big points that I really brought up in those episodes quite a lot was the foundational error, you know, the error within the scripts of these books and moreover how some of these religions are actually really unjust. And then I talked about how Islam makes sense. And one of the big things that I talked about for Christianity was Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And I talked about how, you know, a lot of biblical scholars and just in general, like there's a lot of thought as to, well, did all of them even meet Jesus? And actually, a lot of people say that, no, some of them didn't meet Jesus. Some of them did, some of them didn't. And I felt like that alone was a red flag because it's like, okay, well, you have chapters about him. And another thing is like, they all view Jesus so differently. If you read the chapters, you know, and some of them he's performing miracles and some of them he's not. And it's just like, yeah, there's a hundred different explanations for it. But like, if we're talking about the same individual, I just don't feel like it should be that different. In response, I got the fact that, you know, people view and perceive things differently. You know, the errors are different. The times are different. And, you know, like, okay, Jesus can perform miracles because he's God. And, you know, like, yeah, so one person saw that. And, you know, Jesus is human in one because Jesus is the son of God. And, like, I just kept getting things like, oh, well, it's valid because people perceive and see things differently. And, you know, Jesus has these three na um, natures within him. And I was like, okay, first of all, first of all, look. The discussion of Jesus, right, it is a very, very big deal in Christianity. Why? Because he came down to earth to die for their sins. Yes or no? He died for your sins. Yes or no? Yes. So what makes his death so valuable is that, quote, quote, he's God and he came down to die for your sins. Correct. What I don't get here 
is that if Jesus came down as a human being, right? And mind you, like in every single scenario, like for example, Jesus didn't know when the last hour is. And everyone instantly says, no, 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 no. That was his human form. That was his human form. Only the father has that knowledge. Okay, okay. But then when he's performing miracles and I'm like, how that happened? How is he human performing miracles? Or how are you guys associating such godly powers with him while he's in human form? It instantly becomes, no, 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 he has a Holy Spirit and Father within him. So he can do anything whenever. Well, the question is, why doesn't he also have that knowledge with him then? Yes or no? Right? Why doesn't he have that knowledge with him then? If you are saying that he has the powers, the innate three-in-one powers, whatnot, to project and do miracles and do whatever, whatnot, whatnot, right? Then he should also have the knowledge. Should he or should he not? Yes, he should. So that was one thing that I brought up quite a lot. We're in different situations. It's, oh, no, 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 it's this. It's no, no, no. It's, it's like a different explanation every time. And it seems very conditional. I was told that I was wrong because people perceive and see things differently. And I, the only thing I could think of in that moment, and the one thing that I want to bring up right here is the discussion of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, has thousands and thousands and thousands of hadiths narrated about him. From companions, wives, peace be upon all of them, you know, may I be pleased with all of them. Just so many are narrated by people that are around him or people that heard things, whatnot, whatnot, whatnot. We have these hadiths narrated. Not only are they narrated, we have checked who narrated them. Who is their family? What are they from? Like we have went through that background as well. We have also graded these hadiths. How reliable are they? And maybe if by unreliable, I mean that maybe we're not, we're not complete sure about the narration, the chain, right? Regardless, we take all these things in account. And these hadiths, thousands and thousands and thousands of hadiths have went through thousands and thousands and thousands of scholars that have sat there and scientifically and Islamically viewpointed them, looked at them, graded them, see what's right, see what's, you know, like they, they waved it out. Like it was went through a severe process to see what it is today, right? And of course, you know, we're still learning, but regardless of whatever the situation is, whatever went down with all that, right? I want to talk to you about the hadith itself. Every single time you read a hadith, you will never see Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Different than what he said he was. Different than what his companion said that he was. Different than what his wife said that he was. And different than what was mentioned in the Quran. Never. Never. Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him never said that he was anything other than a human being and other than a prophet. Yes or no? Yeah. Peace be upon him. He always said that I'm a prophet. I'm the last messenger. That's it. I'm human too. I worship God too. And no way, shape, or form has in another hadith out of nowhere is he performing, you know, some big magical thing. No. No. Some people do say that there are miracles. And, you know, some people do say that, of course, you know, it's Allah that makes all the miracles and whatnot work out. But some people have talked about that. Yeah. But he's never attributed any of that to himself. Because he says who he is. You know what I'm saying? And now, if we're talking about the discussion of self-description, okay, let's put that aside. Let's talk about what his companions, his wives, and even his own enemies Everyone knows that he's the trustworthiest. Everyone knows that he was an honest and kind individual. And there were multiple cases where he could have done a lot to his enemies, but he forgave them, peace be upon him. Or he let them live in peace. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, he says who he is. And he's he's truthful, he's honest, the best man to walk the planet, peace be upon him. And this isn't just our opinion as Muslims. This is also some of the scholars' opinion that aren't even Muslim. So you do not see a hundred different faces. You don't see, oh wait, he said not to act like this and in this hadith the prophet's acting like this you don't see that you don't see that if prophet said peace be upon him not to do this and then you see him doing in the hadith you don't see that so what my point here is this you want to you know talk about how people perceive things how people view things differently well then why can't we bring into account the fact that thousands and thousands and thousands of people have went seen and taught educated and learned about these hadiths these hadiths have been narrated by so many different people like they never saw him differently they never perceived him differently. Some of them probably heard the narration from someone else's chain. Whatever it is, throughout everything, it was preserved. You don't find that to be a miracle. You don't find that to be something astonishing. And now you want to talk to me about, oh, well, people perceive things differently. People see things differently. And this isn't meant to insult the person that came at me because I know that there's a lot of people on TikTok that say things like this. This isn't about, you know, whoever messaged me because she herself was um, a really sweet girl, nothing about her. But I even see this on TikTok all the time where people are saying that, oh, well, um, you know, people perceive things differently. And it's unfair of a judgment towards Christianity. But 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're talking about a handful of people here, right? And then compare that to all the hadith that you hear. Really? I feel like it just, it doesn't sit right with me. That's a red flag for me. Like, the way that we perceive things, we see things 100%, yeah, it's different. But I just feel like when we're talking about a divine, you know, situation where we're talking about religion, where we're talking about a messenger of God, or in Christianity's case, you're talking about God itself in human form, I just don't see why there's so much gray area. That's my two cents. I started reading this book recently called Misguided, and it is by Dr. Lawrence B. Brown. I think I said that right. And I want to read y'all something from it because I feel like it's really interesting. So the book basically discusses um, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And it talks about a roadmap of guidance and misguidance within the Abrahamic religions. And the book starts off with a description of every religion. And I want to read you Christianities. It starts off by saying, if the term Jewish is difficult to define, the term Christian is even more fraught with problems. It continues to talk about how Christians in the early times used to also acknowledge themselves as Jews. Okay, this is where it gets interesting, the next paragraph. Notably, Jesus never identified himself as a Christian and never claimed to have established Christianity on earth. In fact, the word Christian is encountered three times in the Bible in Acts 11, 26, 26, 28, and Peter 4, 16. None of these verses use the label Christian in a context which bears the authority of Jesus or of God. It goes on to say, most significantly, there's no record of the word Christian ever issuing from the lips of Jesus. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Because a lot of people like to sit here and bash Muslims and say that they don't accept Jesus and whatnot, but listen to this. The, sef- the second difficulty with the word Christian is that of the definition. If we apply the term to those who affirm the prophethood of Jesus Christ, then Muslims demand inclusion. For the Islamic religion requires belief in Jesus Christ as an article of faith. Granted, the Islamic understanding of Jesus differs from, the, from that of the Trinitarian majority of those who would identify themselves as Christian. However, many Islamic beliefs are remarkably consistent with those of classic Unitarian Christianity. I wanted to read you that because I felt like it was really, really interesting. Because just alone, to define the word Christianity, Christians, it is so difficult. And so I feel like that alone says a lot. Because we're talking about perceiving things, we're talking about this, we're talking about that. But it's so difficult to even explain what it means. I want to share another thing with you guys. I posted a book on my Instagram, which was My Great Love for Jesus Led Me to Islam. And y'all loved it. I linked it. I have this tab on my Instagram called Dawa where I post like different books and whatnot and stuff like that right and I am going to read you something from the back of the book which I found so interesting and I feel like this might be a little bit of an iman booster for y'all especially with Ramadan coming might be interesting and so if you're one person that struggles and doubts their faith as a Muslim or you're wondering why are we perceiving things so differently and I know that as Muslims I'm one of the big questions I had was well okay why are why is it so different why is Christianity and Islam so so different like what where do we go wrong right and where is that situation? Like, who went wrong? How to get it? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, where's that middle ground? So this chart at the back of the book was really interesting, and I want to read it to you guys. So the first chart is on a comparison of how the Bible and the Quran view God. The Bible. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested. In Exodus 31.17. In the Quran. And we did certainly create the heavens and earth and what is between them in six days. And there touched us no weariness. And this is 5038 in the Quran. That's number one. That I felt like was really, really, you know, moving. The Bible. In 7865, the Bible says, Then the Lord awakened as one out of a sleep and like a mighty man that shouts by reason of wine. And this is what the Quran says. And 2255. Allah, there is no deity except him, the ever-living, sustainer of all existence. Neither drowsiness overtakes him, nor sleep. This is another interesting one. In 119 in the Bible, it says, And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. And that's what it says in comparison to the Quran. But Allah is not to be caused failure by anything in the heavens or on the earth. Indeed, he is ever-knowing incompetent. This is another verse from the Bible in 13.1. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? And this is what it says in the Quran in 20.52. My Lord neither errs nor forgets. This is a really interesting one, Adam, that I'm going to read you guys. So this is like on spread of different verses in the Bible. The Lord is alleged to have said and to break my covenant with them in 26.44. God was ignorant of Adam's whereabouts and of his eating from the tree according to Genesis 3.9. And the Lord God 
called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? The Lord needs to mark to distinguish the houses. I'm sorry. The Lord needs a mark to distinguish the houses of the Israelites from the house of the Egyptians in Exodus 12, 13. God does not know what goes on on earth, so he needs to go down to find out, as it says. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know, which is in Genesis eighteen twenty. Now, this is what the Quran says about Adam's situation, right? Allah's all-knowing. Right, let's address that first. Allah's own knowledge, so therefore when Adam and his wife ate from the tree, he addressed them in a way that clearly indicated his knowledge of what they had done. As it says in the Quran, 7.22, And their Lord called to them, Did I not forbid you from that tree and tell you that Satan is to you a clear enemy? Allah is the knower of the unseen, not absent from his and Adam's weight within the heavens or the earth, or what is smaller than that or greater, except that is in clear register. And that's in 34.3 of the Quran. And then it goes on to say, He is the knower of the unseen and the witness, the grand, the exalted, is the same thing concerning you, whether one conceals his speech or one publicizes it, and whether one is hidden by night or among others by day. Conspicuous among by others by day. And this is 13.9. Now, this is another interesting one. This is how the Bible sees Jesus and how the Quran sees Jesus. So the Bible. Jesus is accused of misbehavior towards his mother. In John 2, 4, where it says, Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I, what have I do with thee? Jesus is accused of being tyrannic and cruel. In Matthew 10, 34, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. In the Quran. The Quran defends Jesus against these false accusations standing stating that he is neither tyrannic nor cruel. In 1932 of the Quran, it says, and made me dutiful to my mother and has not made me a wretched tyrant. Wretched a tyrant, I'm sorry, y'all. This is the next one in the Bible. The first miracle performed by Jesus in the Bible is his turning water to wine at the wedding. This is in John 2, 9. The in the Quran, the first miracle of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, was speaking immediately after his birth, defending his mother against the false accusations leveled at her by her people. I think that says a lot. That says a lot. Now this, besties, this is the personal part of mine that really changed my faith. This is on the prophets of God. This is how the Bible and the Quran views the prophets. This is what the Bible says about Noah. Noah is drunk and naked in a tent in Genesis 9.21. Abraham sacrifices his honor in Genesis 12.10-15 in Genesis 20 and 2. What does the Quran say? Indeed, Allah chose Adam and Noah and the family of Abraham and the family of Imran over the worlds. 3.33, giving them honor. Now look at the next one. Prophet Lut, or Lot, I guess in the Bible. Lot gets drunk, commits incest with his own two daughters, and impregnates them. In Genesis 9.30, what does the Quran say? It again says in the Quran how Allah preferred them over the worlds. This is another one, Jacob. Jacob lies to his father and steals the blessings and prophethood from his brother in Genesis 2.27. The Quran says, And remember our servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those of the strength and religious vision. Indeed, we chose them for an exclusive call, the remembrance of the home of the hereafter. And indeed, they are to us among of the chosen outstanding. And this is in the Quran 3845. So now it talks about hmm, Judah. Judah, the fourth son of Jacob, commits incest with his daughter-in-law and has Pharis and Zara from her. 3818. The Bible then traces the lineage of Jesus to Pharaohs in Matthew 1.18, contradicting Deuteronomy 23.2, which says, A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to his tenth generation. This is what the Quran says about descendants. Those were the ones upon whom Allah bestowed favor from among the prophets and the descendants of Adam, and of those be carried in the ship with Noah and of the descendants of Abraham and Israel, and of, them, and of those whom we have guided and chose. When the verses the most merciful recited to them, they fell in prostration and weeping. The Lord accuses Moses and Aaron of betrayal in the Old Testament because he trespassed among me, um, against me among the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 32:51. And this is what it says in the Quran. Peace be upon Moses and Aaron. Indeed, we thus reward the doers of good. Indeed, they were our believing servants. Hmm. And the difference is it's just it's beautiful. Listen to this one. David betrays his neighbor and army chief, has sexual intercourse with his wife, and sends them to get killed in war in 2 Samuel 11, 4 to 15. And then in the Quran it says, And remember our servant David, the possessor of strength. Indeed, he was one who repeatedly turned back to Allah. 
The difference is just beautiful. And then the Bible says how Solomon had thousands of women and they turned his heart away from God and he built temples for them. But in the Quran, it says, and we had certainly given David and Solomon knowledge. And they said, praise is due to Allah who has favored us over many of his believing servants. It even talks about Zachariah and how it says that in the Bible, Zachariah did not believe God's miracle regarding the birth of John. So God punished him with a dumbness of for nine months. And the verse that they claimed was, and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season, which is in Luke one twenty. And then Zachariah in the Quran in 1910, it says that it stated that his silence for three days was a sign for the upcoming true of the miracle and not by the way of punishment. Zachariah said, my Lord, make me for a sign. He said, your sign is that you will not speak for the people for three nights being sound. Like, you know, and this is where that discussion comes in again. I made a very, very big point in my last episode. One of the big things I brought up in that episode was the fact that Christianity is a very unjust religion. Reason being, anyone that keeps firm faith in their heart that Christ died for their sins will go to heaven, including a murderer, including a rapist. They are all allowed to go to heaven. The response that I always get to this is people telling me, well, if you keep firm faith in Christ, you won't commit sins like that. But right now, me and you are talking about the prophets of God in the Bible, in the chapter of Genesis, where it says that Lot gets drunk, commits incest with his own two daughters and impregnates them, where Noah is drunk and naked in his tent, where Abraham sacrifices his honor. In the chapter of Samuel where David betrays his neighbor and army chief and has sexual intercourse with his wife and sends him to get killed in war. These are prophets of God. This is the example that the Bible has given. And you want to sit here and say, if you believe in God, you won't do things like that. These are prophets of God. They should have the best faith more than any of us. And if people like them are doing that, then clearly there's a lack of accountability. There's clearly a lack of justice because me and you not talk about the same justice because this can't be it. It's beyond me really, but I just feel like a lot of people keep their own perceptions on it you are you do you it is what it is but i think this was a really interesting episode let me know if you guys enjoy like little tea talks or like we talk about a bunch of little random things that are upcoming that you know are just interesting to talk about um yes please 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 let me know if y'all like tea talks i'll try to put like a little q a thing and you guys can like write yes or no because i definitely enjoy talking about like a bunch of different topics at once because I could talk about everything okay <laughs> but um i hope that you guys are good i hope that you guys have an amazing day and stay safe assalamualaikum